as I've been doing, let us read. I'll read the question. You guys read the answer. What do you believe concerning the Holy Spirit? First, that the Spirit with the Father and the Son is eternal God. Second, that the Spirit is given also to me, so that through true faith He makes me share in Christ and all His benefits through true faith comforts me and will remain with me forever. What do you believe concerning the Holy Catholic Church? I believe that the Son of God, through the Spirit and Word, out of the entire human race, from the beginning of the world to its end, gathers, protects, and preserves for himself a community chosen for eternal life and united in true faith. And of this community, I am and always will be a living member. What do you understand by the communion of saints? First, that believers, one and all, as members of this community, share in Christ and in all his treasures and gifts. Second, that each member should consider it a duty to use these gifts readily and joyfully for the service and enrichment of the other members. What do you believe concerning the forgiveness of sin? I believe that God, because of Christ's satisfaction, will no longer remember any of my sins or my sinful nature, which I need to struggle against all my life. Rather, I grace God grants me the righteousness of Christ to free me forever from judgment. Let us read, uh, I'll read Romans 8, 20-30. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he is predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. You may be seated. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this time, this opportunity. May our hearts be open, our ears be open, our minds be open to your leading, not my leading. And may my words be acceptable in your sight, and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. It's in your son's holy name. Amen. All right, well, we have a progression here. There's a couple, uh, there's, there's plenty of things that I really wanted to do here, but let's go back to the very first verse, because it's going to kind of lay the groundwork, or lay the foundation for what we, what we need to talk about today. And it says... And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Okay. Um, I, I want to tell you first off what that does not mean. And this is for those who have come across uh, tough times. If you come across bad times, if things hit you hard, if it says, there's some, uh, 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 we know those who love God, all things work together for good. If there's some type of bad thing that hits you and you don't know where the good is, don't think it's because you don't love God enough. First and foremost, I, that, that, uh, you need to hear a pastor tell you that. You need to hear a pastor tell you that because I hear that way too much. I hear that way too often. That's going to set the tone for this because really you need to understand what is being said in that verse. And boy, here's, here's another pastor just telling you, you need to know the Greek in this. You need to know the Greek in this because I'll tell you what this means. It doesn't mean uh, if you, uh, I, don't, I didn't love God enough, therefore bad things are coming my way. That's not what this means. Really, when it says, for those who love God, do you realize that's really kind of one word? 
It's a, 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 it's a participle, and it's an active participle that deals with, it's almost like God lover, right? Do you know this? If you are a God lover, or are you someone who lives into the active reality of loving God, you will see the understanding of the fruit of that loving, to love into, being a lover of God, a God lover. You will see it. That will come, that will bear fruit in your life. That's, that's, trust me, that's the damn paraphrase. But that's what I get from this passage. That's what I get from the first part of this passage. And so it needs to be said that that's what's being said here. Not, well, if bad things happen to you, you must not have loved God enough. You must not have had a good enough faith. By the way, show of hands, who has heard that? Who has dealt with that? You may not believe that yourself, but have you heard people say that about themselves? That's awful. That is awful. That's not what's going on here. For those who are called according to his purpose is the nice addendum to the end of that. You see, when we read the, 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 the confession of the Heidelberg Catechism, uh, what we dealt with was this concept of living to your gifts. If you, we don't have to go back to it, but if you, did, you, did anyone catch that part? That the church is brought together to harvest and pull out the gifts. Well, I happen to believe that you are knitted together in a certain manner. Um, that would be like me saying, uh, that would be like Terry going, hey Dan, we need you to play piano this week. You want to hear the worst piano, clong, 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 that's then you wouldn't want me to be up there on the piano. It would also be inversely me saying, um, I need, you know, Terry, I need you to preach this sermon today. We are all gifted in a certain way. And there's gifts that, that sometimes gets a little bit more attention, a little bit more praise. Oh, Terry, you're such a great piano player. You're such a great piano player, right? There's, and you're up front. But there's other gifts that may not get that type of praise, may not get that type of... And trust me, I've been in consistory where I've asked, okay, who wants to, who wants to address the congregation? And everyone's like, well, why don't you do it, Dan? <laughs> I get that. I could speak up front. But I can't play piano. And I, I think the more you live into, the more you work at... Being a God lover, one who loves God, more and more, I'm talking about genuine love, not just by going to church, not just by going to Sunday school, although Sunday school, 9.30 every Sunday morning, that is a way to love God, trust me, it's a shameless plug. Another way though, just whenever you live into loving God, what I think happens, what I believe happens, is, is that your gifts start coming to the surface. Now I have a witness here, I have a witness, my sister's here. Um, today, and I mean, you don't, don't have to turn around, you don't have to ask at this point, but she knows about me, this one thing, I was not someone who was able to read Greek or Hebrew all of my life, I did, was not predisposed to being a studious person my whole life, but when I started loving God, he started rising up in me, and I believe this, I believe this, he started rising up in me at preparation for where I stand right now. And where I stand right now had to go through Hebrew classes and Greek classes and, and studying theology and reading. And he knew where I was at at 17, 18 years old was not a guy who was able to accomplish that task. And he needed to prepare me. And so by me loving him, me living into loving him, these gifts started coming out. And he started using them towards his purpose, according to his purpose. That's what I think is happening by being a God lover. I think it's good that I'm up here. I think it's good 
that, uh, that, that people who live into their gifts. If I was to do a, a, a video clip, there's a story. Uh, there's a, 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 um, a cartoon called The Incredibles. Anyone see the movie Incredibles? And there's a young boy where he's being chased and he's going to be killed by this machine. And, he's in, in, uh, he's, he, he doesn't realize that he has superpowers and he starts living into his superpowers. And this machine is trying to kill him. And he's running. And when you see it, when he starts living into how he's able to run really fast, his superpower, when he starts living, he doesn't get fearful anymore. He actually starts getting happy. It's a very interesting little clip. Wish I had it. Couldn't find it. Couldn't find it without doing a ton of work. Trust me, it was a big pain in the butt. And I don't know the video. Long story. I thought, I thought of the video clip yesterday, and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't even know how I'm going to be able to find it. It's just annoying. Anyhow, not, needless to say, all of that is you have this story. You have this, little, this young boy who starts living into the gifts that he has, and in the face of complete terror and anxiety and, and certain death, he's smiling. He's happy. Has anyone ever really enjoyed their gifts like this? That You're like, I don't know where this will go. I don't know what's going to happen. I, don't, I really wish I would be able to make money doing this. I wish someone would pay me to do this. But I'll tell you one thing for sure. I love doing this. I've had some of your baked goods in this. In this in, I'm talking about you guys. I don't know if you enjoy doing it, but it's your gift. It's certainly your gift. And may you enjoy it. Some of you guys may, may enjoy that. But there's other things that we've been gift, gifted with, Right? I need some more head nods. I see Terry head nodding his head. Does everyone agree with me here? Living into your gifts is a delight. And nothing worse than being forced into doing something that you really don't really enjoy. That's really not your gift. You might be good at it, but it might not be your gift. It might not be how you love God, right? So, what we have here in verse 20, uh, 28, rather, is a setting up of, for what we are called to do. If we jump to verse 29, we have a sense of what we're called to do. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Here's the, here's the beauty part of this. That's the end game. You know that? Um, uh, there's a, a grand uh, theological conception called uh, superlapsarianism. Uh, I dare you to spell it. I dare you to spell it. Give it a shot. See what you... Uh, in it what, it, what it means was is that um, God always was going to be human. God was always going to come and be Jesus. Jesus, even far before we ever sinned, God was like, I love this creation enough. I'm going to be part of it. And I'm going to send my son to be a part of it. Now, we only think that he was sent just to die for our sins, but I happen to think he was sent also to be with us. So this concept of being predestined before the foundations of the earth was meaning that we were called to be united to God. We were called to be in the image of the Son, of His Son, from day one, from the very beginning. We were called not to just live into our gifts, or not to uh, uh, be a little less sinful, or go to church and be a Christian. We were called to be in His image. You were created to be in the image of the Son. Do you know that? United to the Father, being so intimate with the Father... 
You can see that through his prayer. In Garden of Gethsemane, uh, what did he say? Uh, what did he say? Um, he didn't say, uh, maybe I'll do that. I'll try, to, I'll try my best at that, Father. He says, not my will, but your will be done. He said, I will do it. And he was so intimately intertwined with the Father through prayer that he was sweating. Blood. Did anyone hear about that? Anyone know about that? That it was just, just coming out of him, that he was so intense with the Father. You were created to have that intimacy with the Father. That's the end game. Paul, as he often does, does this twice over. So he has, you have been predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son. So you've been predestined from the beginning of the earth. He looked at you, Durr. He looked at each and every one of you. And he said, I want you. Before you were even created. He was like, I have, there's going to be a guy out there named Durr. And I want Durr. Amen, right? That's good news. Our God loves us so much, he calls us by name before you, he, you were even created. He knew you before you were even knitted in the womb. He called you. He called you guys. I should say amen at the end of the sermon and be done, right? That's good news. But not only has he called you just because like, he's, not, he's not picking a team for volleyball. He's called you for a purpose. To be in the image of his son. He predestined you to be fully living into the life you were called to live. So whenever you live into these gifts that make you so happy, I think you're living into your righteousness. I think you're living into a part of that predestination, that predetermined reality of what God has called you to be. It's like, ah, I need a piano player. Terry Finner. Knit you as a such to be able to play the piano. I believe that. And there'll be a time where you're going to be sitting in heaven and you'll be talking to the Father and he'll be like, let's play something. And boy, you think it's bad preaching to you guys sometimes about how, you know, what, imagine when God comes to me and says, preach a sermon to me. Here, let me hear what you think about me. <laughs> that's going to be difficult. But I think that that's what we're called to live into, right? Well, this is the road that he does this on. Go to the next verse. And those whom he called. So we have the, the, the initially in verse 29, he is he predestined to be the image of the Son. Boom. Now, he gives you how he's going to do this. He's predestined. He also called. And then those whom he called, he justified. And those, those whom he justified, he glorified. Okay. We have a different story here. That's the road in which now since the fall and sinfulness and me not living into my gifts and you guys not living into your gifts, you guys being sinful, and I guess me being sinful too. Yes, me being very sinful. We all have not lived into our gifts. We have all not lived in who we are called to be. This is the process in which God is calling us out of that. This is the process in which he's saying, Dan is not living into his gifts, and I want him to live into his gifts, and here's how I'm going to do it. What did he do? When I was 19, he called me. When I was 19, I started to hear something, had this, this tug, this pull, because he's like, you know what? When he's 31 years old, 32 years old, I want him to 
be a pastor of this church. And I want him to go and do that. And it's going to be a long road for him to get there. So right now, I better call him in 19. So I'm going to call him because I've, I've chosen him from the beginning of the earth. And I want him to live into his gifts. And I want him to live as he's been created to live. I better start working on him now. So he calls on me. He calls me. He listens. And uh, 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 rather not listens, but he, he makes me listen to him rather. And I can't avoid him. And I can't get out of him. Get away from him. I can't avoid any sense of that. And I, I have to to hear his call. You see, I'm not saying that's when I was saved. I believe, I believe that whenever he chose me from the foundations of the earth, that's whenever I was chosen to be saved. And then I was a Christian when Christ died on the cross and rose again. That's when I became a Christian. But when I realized it, whenever I became aware of it, it was during that call, when he warmed my heart and he called me to him, he said, I'm your God. And you will be my son. You will be my child. What he says, I think. And then he, as he called, he justified. Now, there's a lot about what's going on with justified uh, in this that I, I just do not have the time to preach. Well, I'll leave it to you guys. Do you want me to preach a sermon about two hours long? Maybe three hours long? Because I can. That would be perfectly acceptable for me to do. Is that okay with you guys? I take it from the look on your face, probably not. So what I'll say is, is there's a lot to be said about what can be understood with the concept of justification. Um, uh, the shorthand, what I've heard people say is, it's just as if I've never sinned. I'm not fully like, I don't fully like that. What I like to say is, is that he has justified us. Meaning that we then begin to, uh, uh, in that justification, we are justified. We are in that uh, uh, sense, I hate to use courtroom language, but you have been pardoned. You've been a free man now, free woman. You are, a, you are not convicted of the crimes that you have committed. You have been justified. You have been held up as someone who is not uh, accountable for the sins that you've committed. Now, we all know what, what's going on there. Uh, side note, we'll just start with the side. If you've sinned, you deserve hell. Ooh, you know that? Did, does everyone know that? And, and what did Jesus do? He died for our sins. Amen. So that he took the punishment that he didn't deserve. He took that and he put it on himself. That's what he did. So whenever I live into this justifi justification, whenever I'm pulling into my justification, I live into that reality. A title given to me. Title. It's key. It's a, a declaration. Boom, you are justified. doesn't necessarily mean that I lived just a justified life. It doesn't mean that at all. But you've been declared justified. And those whom he justified, he glorified. Boom. That's the final part. He makes your justification real. He makes you fully holy. Not only does he declare you, you're sinless. He makes that happen in you. Now and in the time to come. He starts pouring that out of you. I, I told uh, a couple weeks ago, I said... I talked about uh, uh, the concept of how your pastor now used to choose snuff. Remember this? Remember me telling you that? And uh, boy, did I get a lot of ugly looks. They're like, everyone went, um, One such story about how this justification worked and how I was going to be glorified is, is that uh, I, I, I was reading a book couple months after uh, that, that call.
being called and, and started living into my, my relationship with Jesus, I started reading a book, and it says you could hear God's voice. Now, okay, we can take it for what it's worth. I'm not saying that the, 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 the ceiling popped off and God came down. Um, but I think through the power of the Holy Spirit, he spoke to me, you need to stop chewing snuff. Yeah, I think that's what, I, I believe that that was so overwhelmingly real. You can, you can, uh, you could not believe me. It's not that I don't care if you don't believe me. I, I want you to believe your pastor, but in reality, um, it's so true to my experience of what I understood. I just know it's true. I, I know it happened. It was so overwhelmingly true. And here's how I knew it was true. All the attempts before that to try to quit you and smell failed mightily. After that, after he, after he laid it upon my heart, said, I don't want you to chew snuff anymore. I didn't have a single withdrawal. That's just the reality. By loving him, he pulled a poison out of my life. He pulled something that was not glorifying, was not healthy to me, was not healthy to my body. He pulled it away from me. He drew it out of me. I believe that. I do. It's one of those things where I don't, I don't care what anybody says. I just can't deny it. I just can't deny that. And I think that's this road that I was on. And that every single one of us is on. And it's a long road. It's an incredibly long road. And he is so much more patient than you or I could ever even begin to imagine. Because you know how many times I still did other sins that he didn't want me to do? All the time. He is so much more patient than we can even imagine. Why do you think we come up here and I say, let us confess our sins? Do you think I'm asking to confess sins that you've committed 10 years ago? No. I think that our hearts constantly need to be made aware of how much we still are sinful. And again, I'll always say, and I've said it before and I'll say it again, it isn't because we confess our sins that we are forgiven. We confess our sins because they've already been forgiven. They've already been forgiven. And so whenever I confess and I realize, mm, thank you for getting rid of me chewing snuff, but boy, I am fully aware of how much more sinful I am in my life. Whenever that is a true reality, you have a choice. And I've said this before, but you have a choice to believe that you are forgiven and you are loved by that God. We often don't. We often don't believe that. And I'll say that only as your pastor who have people come up to me, uh, that, that, that you have come up to me and have not let yourself off the hook. You've got to realize each and every moment. Not only do you got to confess your sins and believe that you're a sinner, you also got to believe just as mightily that you are forgiven in Jesus Christ. Because that is then the beauty of what you have with this. Is, is that whenever you believe that you are forgiven, whenever you believe that you have been justified, you, you get to start living it. You don't do it out of guilt. Guilt is the worst motivator, right? Is guilt, <laughs> guilt is the worst motivator in all the world. Oh, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. Ooh. But if you do it because you love him, because you love Jesus, because you are a God lover, one who loves God, you will start living into this. I promise you that. Not because 
God, uh, God uh, makes you feel guilty and shamed. No, because you love God. Because you are a God lover. That's who you were created to be. That's who you were created. You weren't created to be sinful. You were created to be a God lover. Since you're a God lover, stop sinning. I can't tell you that enough. Our God isn't up there. He's not this eternal, this, this cosmic being up there. Shame, shame, shame. Shame, shame, shame. Trust me, he's not. His sin, your sin is awful, and he hates it. But he hates it because of you aren't living into the way he created you. You have deteriorated that. And sometimes he'll pull, just like he pulled snuff out of my life, he'll pull that thing right out of your life. But other times, he'll let you struggle with it. Don't ask me why. That's, that's only for a time in the future that you will be free of all the sin that weighs you down. Trust me. And we believe his promises enough to know that that's true. But right now, live into your justification and love him. Because that is the key to sinlessness. Not working harder at it. Sometimes you have to, I get that. There's cake back there. I shouldn't eat that cake. I give you this analogy all the time. I know it's bad for me, but I still probably eat some. This is always the problem that we can. One thing that's out there that causes me to always not want to sin is my love for Jesus. Not some sort of law that's written in Leviticus. That law is very, very appropriate and very, very important. But my love for Jesus is what makes that law powerful to me. And actually, not my love for Jesus. First, his love for me before the foundations of the earth. He says, I'm going to set in this young man a love for me that will draw him to me. This road of call, justification, and glorification to be in his image. I believe that. That's the road I've been on. That's the road you're on. There's no other, there's no other way, no other road that we're on than that. So you want to live into that? Be a God lover. Cheers. Be a God lover. Don't be one who is declared a lover of God. Live into it. Be one who loves God each and every day. Everyone, does that make sense? Is that good news? It's good news to me. Let us pray. Father God, thank you so much for the fact that you created in us the ability to be a God lover.